it's time for Fish Facts TV. Welcome to Fish Casting, the fishing podcast. I'm your host, Tanner of Fish Facts TV. Hey, everybody. I'm Captain Tim. All right, guys. Um, we just recorded on Friday of last week, and now it's Monday, so we don't have a ton of content to cover. But um, just because we want to try to get back into the early week rhythm, we figured instead of skipping a week, we would just try to come up with content, even though uh, neither of us got to do that much fishing. But we got a cool fish of the week. We're going to talk about some applications that we think could be really beneficial um, to anybody that's fishing inshore or offshore. Now, Tanner, tell me about your uh, little bit of fishing you did. I know that, uh, like you just mentioned, we didn't have a lot of time, but I know you were able to get out a little bit. What, what do you say? Yeah, here in Miami, we had a small craft advisory, which is not ideal. Um, so I've been trying to fr fish freshwater uh, whenever there is a small craft advisory. As I said in the, in the last podcast, I wanted to go out to the Everglades, but it's just such a hike. Um, and with the wind, I was actually planning to go up there tomorrow, and now I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I just went to my local pond and just tried to wet a line and, you know, got a couple shiners and threw them in to try to catch some peacocks. The peacocks just weren't there, you know. I, I fished for about an hour, and it was much, much windier than I was expecting. A lot of times, if it's a small craft advisory, it'll be windy along the coast, but this spot's a good three or four miles inland. So by the time you get that far inland, it's, it's not as windy, but it is a pretty big open square lake. So it can get pretty windy. And that was the case this morning. You know, half the lake was really difficult to fish just because the direction of the wind. Um, but throughout those live baits, I hung around for about an hour. And I, I pulled out two largemouths, you know, um, neither of them were big, both of them were about that 14 to 16 inch, one pound, not small, not big, but solid fish. Um, I was using my GoFish cam, the underwater cam for one of them. So I'm, I haven't watched the footage yet, but I'm, I'm excited to see how that um that played out you know if i can see the strike and i kind of left it in the water with him fighting a little bit just to see if i could get some cool underwater footage that lake i don't know if it's spring fed or if it's just the limestone but it is such clear water so you know i think that could be some cool footage obviously i'm not going to make a video of two bass so i'll have to do do some more freshwater fishing march is usually one of the windiest months here in south florida so I have a feeling I'm going to be doing some more freshwater fishing in the upcoming weeks just to kind of hold myself over. But uh, I do have the boat for Thursday um, and I and Thursday is supposed to be the best weather of the week. So I'm excited about that. Um, and my dad is going to be in town. So we may try to hit the South Beach Pier again. As I've said before, I've had limited luck on the South Beach Pier. I also have the boat Saturday. So uh, hopefully either Saturday or Thursday, we'll be able to make something happen. Um, you know, I think we may, if we get the boat and we can find Ballyhoo, we're gonna target mutton, sailfish and kings, kind of swing for the fences instead of just, you know, with the, with the moon right now, it's, a, uh, it's gonna be a full moon Saturday. So I don't think that fishing for in 250 will really be much of an option for us. Um, I think we really need to focus on 
you know, those muttons drifting and then drifting for kings and uh, sails. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Uh, that that, uh, that fish cam, I can't wait to see that footage. I hope it's really good. Uh, luckily, the water's nice and clear, as you mentioned, so that'll be cool to see. Now, these shiners, do you catch those shiners or do you go to a bait shop and purchase them for your freshwater yeah, fishing? Yeah, so it's interesting. They're actually very expensive. Uh, they run for about a dollar a piece uh, and they ship them in from Texas and Arkansas. So I've actually heard there's a bit of a shortage of shiners around here, but I was able to get them because of the, the snow out there that they had the last couple weeks. But uh, yeah, they're, they're regular golden shiners. You know, when I grew up in Jacksonville, we used to be able to catch them on hook and line. But here, you know, they are technically native. I just don't think there's any large population anywhere in South Florida. So almost every bait shop sells live shiners and usually they range anywhere from 11 to $15 a dozen, depending on where you get them, but they're very expensive. So I usually only get a dozen if I'm fishing like that. And, uh, you know, obviously it's not nearly as expensive as fishing saltwater, but fishing freshwater, you know, paying a dollar a shiner uh, can get a little steep. I know if you do go out with one of these uh, peacock bass guides, they'll have hundreds of them that they just keep alive in their live well. Um, and that's obviously their main expense. Yeah, you mentioned catching golden shiners, you know, like when I was a kid in, in the central Florida fishing those little ponds, you could catch them as well. So, I mean, I feel like someone needs to tap into a, a breeding population or do some aquaculture because with those prices, man, um, you could you could really be in the uh, into the money pretty good if you set up some sort of business. But I'm guessing that's already been looked into by some of these bait shops or whatever. Um, when you buy those shiners, you just keep them, keep them alive with like a, a aerator, like a little bubbler. Yeah. You know, I have several bubblers now use them for pilchards, use them for shrimp, use them for shiners. The shiners are just there. They don't stay alive very well. So even, you know, I'd say they're good for about four or five casts. Even if you don't get a bite often, they'll just die. Um, just because they're very weak, you know, they're, they're cold water shiners. So they're not like, you know, the Florida shiners that are probably more used to this warm water, you know, when you get them, usually they have the water refrigerated back there. So they just don't live uh, very well. I mean, I guess they, it's probably comparable to a pilchard or a white bait, um, but they don't survive very well. But the, the, the peacocks love live fish. You know, you could probably catch a largemouth. You know, if I would have been targeting largemouth, I probably could have tossed a worm or something like that. Uh, but those peacocks can be very picky depending on where you are. And that lake, it's in a public park, so it receives a lot of fishing pressure. So trying to go there with lures, you know, I've caught them there a couple times on rattle traps. But if it's times like this when I really have an hour and I'm just trying to get out there and catch something just to say I caught something, live shiners are really going to be key. Yeah, um, my experience with the Shiners, I've only ever purchased them one time down there in South Florida, like Naples, Marco Island area for peacocks like a, a while ago. Yeah, they're very weak. You're absolutely right. Like for some reason, like after it seems like one cast, they're just like half their energy just goes. I, I mean, seeing that they just got hooked and thrown out, you know, at the end of a line, I understand it. But man, they don't stay alive. Those things are pesky and a dollar a piece. That's kind of aggravating. Yeah, you know, it, it almost seems like it would be better off if I just 
through the cast net for pilchards and salt water and just used them. You know, I'd feel a little bit better about it if it was a canal where I knew they could somehow get back to the salt water, but in an enclosed lake like that, I just don't think uh, they could survive. Even if they could survive, you know, I feel like as soon as they start getting woozy from the salt water, even if I dump them back out, they're just going to get wolfed down by some uh, peacocks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you got out. I know it was a short week for us, but you know, I was at work all day. I was a little jealous. Yeah. They're catching some large mouse. So that's good stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Tim, did you uh, get to do any fishing this short weekend? No, I didn't. Um, I actually had to work this weekend. Um, had had a special thing going on, so I was unable to get out. Um, you know, like you mentioned, we recorded on Friday. I worked Saturday, and then Sunday was just normal chores and getting stuff together. Um, I don't know what this upcoming weekend brings. It uh, it looks right now, depending on the day, the, the forecast will either be really good or really bad. Um, so every 12 hours, it seems to change. So I'll know something closer to the end of the week. Maybe I'll be able to get out or at least uh, do some scouting or something. So who knows? Well, all right. Uh, the next thing we'll get into is the fish of the week. And this week, the fish of the week is the Florida Pompano, and that is Trachonotus carolinus. You got any thoughts on the Florida Pompano? I know we talked about them uh, briefly the other week, but uh, what can you tell me about these Florida Pompanos? Yeah, I, I like Pompano. Um, they're, they're very tasty fish. They're, uh, um, they put up a good fight. Um, we get them seasonally here in the early spring, so March, April, they'll, they'll start coming through. Uh, March is usually a pretty good month for us for fishing pompano. Um, they're a pretty fish, you know, uh, look like a, a permit or anything else. Um, just, just a really nice, nice handsome fish. Uh, pretty silver, real, real fine scales on them. Um, like I mentioned, they're really good to eat. Um, it's my sister-in-law's favorite fish to eat ever. And she has access. My brother is an excellent fisherman, brings home fish all the time. And that's her favorite fish hands down to eat. So um, something I don't really target. I mentioned a couple weeks back, it was a little early, but I did um, do a little bit of jigging when I was out um, at Bunce's Pass for those Pompano. Didn't get any of them. Um, like I said, a little too early in the season, but um, if on some of those questionable weather days, it's a fish that you can target inshore, I like to target um, some of the bridges and passes that we have uh, here in the St. Petersburg area. I got a couple different ones that you can just drift. I like the outgoing tide. I'll, I'll start at the bridge and kind of be pushed out with the outgoing tide out the pass. So just steady jigging, just jigging. You see people on the bridge doing their, uh, doing their pompano jigs. And um, we'll see, maybe, uh, maybe if it's bad weather, I'll, I'll try to get on some of these pompano just to, to, to kind of round it out and see what happens. How about you, Tanner? What can you tell me about them? You know, they're, they're a member of the same genus, obviously, as permit and palmettas um, are the other two species we have here in Florida. Um, they're in the jack family. So, you know, I've actually seen them and little jack crevals running together, and they have a similar colorations in, and certain bottoms. Like these were like, you know, their bellies were really yellow. And I feel like with pompano, depending on the color of the, the sand and the water, they can range from, you know, a yellowish color to like a bright silver if they're on a, a light colored sandy bottom. 
Um, for me, I've never actually caught that many pompano. Uh, as a kid, I grew up catching them in the surf uh, in Jacksonville. I would just catch them in my little dip net. Uh, actually, the only pompano I've caught in Miami was about three inches and caught in the surf when I was uh, trying to catch snook bait. So, uh, you know, they're, they're around the whole state. Um, I, I think they're, they're just a weird fish to catch. You know, in Jacksonville, they primarily catch them fish in the beach. Um, I've caught a couple mm -hmm. with my dad. Uh, there's some, like, smaller inlets uh, around the, the beach there. Um, and, and I've caught them there. I know I caught one in Tampa Bay when I was a kid fishing for trout on the flats. Uh, I, I caught a little one. But uh, I, I've never caught a ton of them. I've never eaten one. I heard they were really delicious. Um, but actually last year around this time, I got into their cousin, the palmettas. Um, have you ever caught one of those, Tim? I haven't caught a palmetto, but um, I've definitely seen them. You know, they got those crazy long fins. Uh, I know they don't get very big, but um, they're another pretty interesting looking fish. That's for sure. Yeah, the, the head looks just like a pompano. Um, and I think a lot of times they run in similar environments. But where we got those palmettos in Miami was in, in the bay. We were chumming for bluefish. And a couple of them showed up right behind the boat in the chum. And their mouths were so small, I threw a couple different things at them and they wouldn't hit them. Uh, and then I dropped back a sabiki. And I was catching, you know, pretty decent size 12-inch palmettos on a, on a sabiki rig. And again... We could have kept those, but there's just not a lot of meat on them. And I wouldn't want to kill such a beautiful fish for such a small amount of meat. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, they don't have a lot of meat on their bones, that's for sure. Um, that is really cool. I've never caught one. That's interesting that they showed up like that and you were able to get some. That's, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I've heard um, around this time of year they show up kind of in that like outer bay. You know, we were barely on the inside of the bay chumming for bluefish and uh you know we we the bluefish there was tons of bluefish like back in the chum but right under the boat i was just like those look like palmettas because the only other place i've ever seen a lot of them was when i was in mexico um in cozumel on a cruise you know the waters around cozumel seem to be full of them on the on the beach side of palmettas not pompano but uh yeah, they're, they're a cool fish. That's the only time I've ever caught them, but I think I caught four or five uh, out of that one school. Yeah, you know, as we're talking Pompano, um, I'm remembering a time I was in the panhandle fishing for them. We were, were using kind of a, a weird technique. I, you mentioned people like to um, surf fish for them. I remember seeing that. Lots of sand fleas are used for that. But um, up there, they have these things called fish bites. They're a synthetic, almost like leathery um, substance that just, they're like a, a gulp smell um, where, it, where it smells like something. And they'll just hook them on, um, you know, these bottom rigs and just throw them out there and let them sit. And they're, they don't occur in nature. They're fully synthetic, but the pompano just eat the heck out of them. And that's one of their favorite ways to catch them off piers and in the surf up in the panhandle. Yeah, I've, I've heard the same thing off Jacksonville. And I just remember, I do think I hooked a pompano a couple months ago fishing one of the piers here, and it just broke me off. I, I might have mentioned it on that week's podcast, but I did, I'm like 80% sure because it was in like two feet of water, like 30 feet off the shore, um, fishing off a pier, like at the very beginning of uh, the pier. But yeah, they, they do use those fish bites 
in, in Jacksonville too. And people, people swear by those things. Yeah. Maybe I'll pick up some of those too, one of these days and, <laughs> and give it a shot. Uh, the pompano eat well and they pull good and they're beautiful fish. So maybe, maybe I'll put that in the lineup for this spring and I can report back. Yeah. I think around uh, those real sandy areas like Egmont and stuff like that, you'd be able to find some pompanos out there. Yeah, not to deviate too much, but I, I've actually caught um, some decent permit out um, by Egmont in years past. So similar to the pompano, similar to the palometta you just mentioned. But uh, yeah, they're, they're, they run through there pretty good at uh, certain times of year also. Nice, nice. All right. Um, so I asked for questions this week and I didn't receive any. So before we, we made up our own questions again, but I really, if I want to ask you guys, um, you know, I know not everybody follows us on Instagram, but if you could send them to me, DM me on Instagram, respond to the post, um, anything, you know, you can write them on YouTube. If you're watching this, I haven't posted the last couple on YouTube because we've had video problems, but if you're what you can comment on YouTube. So if you guys can get us the questions, it really helps us, uh, come up with stuff. But uh, just kind of on that note, we've decided our question of the week is, what is your favorite dead bait or cut bait in inshore and in offshore environments? Tim, you want to start out with inshore? Yeah, um, th this, this question is kind of tough. I know we talked before we started recording. Um, I'd say if I had to choose one inshore dead or cut bait, it would probably be... Um, dead white bait or um, thread fin shad. Um, they, they work really well for um, redfish. I like to, to use them when I'm, when I'm on a mangrove line, I'll, I'll cut them up and I'll, I'll do some chumming, just some, some large spray chumming where I'll throw out handfuls all over the place. And then you bury a hook in one and throw it out there and the redfish really respond to it. Also had uh, good luck with some of those dead white bait fishing the beaches for, for some big snook. For some reason, I don't know why, you can put a, a pinfish or a white bait in front of a snook and, and they don't want to eat it. Where historically, that's really what they want is the live baits, but sometimes they just want that dead white bait. Um, great, great for chumming, snapper eat them, snook eat them, redfish eat them, trout eat them. Really, you can catch just about anything on those dead white bait. Um, I prefer them live, but sometimes you need to use them dead and they make great chummers. Like I mentioned, just throwing them out and getting the bite fired up and getting that smell on the water. They, they work really well. Um, I'll use them when I'm cobia fishing inshore also. Um, near structure, I'll just start throwing them out. Um, when I'm tarpon fishing, um, bean point or something like that, you just start paying them out handful after handful, just chunk them and just get that smell in the water and, and the fish just come right up to you. So how about you, Tanner, for inshore dead or cut bait? So for me, inshore, I have to say I prefer frozen mullet. Um, you know, when it comes to white bait, a lot of times they just don't stay on the hook very well. The mullet have a little bit of a bony head um, that I think you can get a hook into and get it better. Um, frozen shrimp, I think, can be good for yellow tails, but a lot of other snappers are just going to rip that off your hook so easily. And that's always a problem with any frozen bait. Obviously, I, I would say squid probably stays on the hook the best, but when you're fishing inshore, you know, 
I feel like you'll get a lot of small fish with squid, but it's hard to get, you know, too many good inshore fish. And, and that's why I go with the frozen mullet. Actually, the biggest fish I caught of 2020, besides a shark, was a tarpon that I caught on a frozen mullet. So um, it was probably 70, 80 pounds. I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast before, but I caught it fishing right off the shore. I was actually had been in a real fishing low um, right before I joined the boat club. And I just wanted to get out there. Couldn't get any live mullet throughout this frozen dead mullet. And sure enough, um, you know, I, I went like two or three nights in a row, caught a couple big nurse sharks. So that's what I was really fishing for. Cause I just wanted to feel a good fish. Cause I hadn't caught anything big in a while. And I ended up hooking up to a pretty good tarpon. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, makes total sense. You know, I, I think, I think dead mullet are a great bait also. Um, works for me. All right, Tim, moving offshore. What is your favorite dead bait to use offshore oh, man another tough one here um something that I, I think most people probably use a lot when they go offshore and and by and large just the wide variety of species you can catch with it i'd have to go with frozen squid just dead squid um like you mentioned it stays on the hook everything eats it all the grouper species snapper species porgy I mean, you can, if they're swimming out there, they'll eat the dead squid. Um, I, I'll, I'll free line whole squid, you know, down to grouper and let them come up and eat them. I'll, I'll put whole squid down. I'll, I'll use chunks of squid, the little um, tentacles. I mean, depending on the fish you want to catch, you can really kind of change the, how big your bait is and to, to going after the scope of and caliber of fish you're looking at. So I think if I had to choose one dead bait for, you know, for the rest or my favorite, it would be squid just because the amount of species that eat it. And it's just, it's proven track record offshore. If you send some squid down on any sort of bottom, uh, anywhere offshore, you're probably going to catch something pretty quick. How about you, Tanner? It, it's hard to disagree with that logic. You know, maybe it's a grunt, maybe it's a snapper, maybe it's a grouper, but something is going to eat that squid. Um, and one point about squid I want to make before I go into my own, uh, my own picks, and this, this really goes for, for, for any frozen bait, it's important to thaw it a little bit. You know, you don't want it to get hot to where it turns mushy, but you want it to thaw a little bit so it stays on the hook a little bit better. Because if you get a rock solid piece of squid, it's going to get ripped off much easier than, uh, you know, get it to 60 degrees or 50 degrees. So where it's still cold, but it's not, uh, it's not frozen solid. Um, but to get to mine, it's hard for me to say a favorite, but I think I'm going to have to go with Ballyhoo. Um, primarily, I'll use fresh dead Ballyhoo because Ballyhoo are pretty easy to catch here most of the time. But if you have to use frozen Ballyhoo um, for any surface fish or chumming, they're great for snapper, mutton, mangrove, yellowtails. Uh, they, they all love Ballyhoo. And then when it comes to trolling for the bigger fish, um, dolphin or mahi love rigged frozen ballyhoo. Uh, they just have a lot of great applications. Uh, you know, growing up, we used a lot of frozen cigar minnows for red snappers, 
but uh, that's not something that I've really done here lately. I think if we do end up going out Thursday for muttons, we may buy some frozen ballyhoo and some frozen uh, sardines, just because last time we had some issues getting live ballyhoo. But, um, you know, it's always good to have some frozen bait as a backup. And just depending on what you're doing, um, you know, whether it's squid or ballyhoo are two very safe options to have with you offshore. Um, and then the, the sardines, if you're in South Florida, if you're in North Florida, um, I, I don't, th I think cigar minnows stay on the hook better than sardines, but they're just more difficult to get in some places than others. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, any of these baits that we mentioned are, are going to be productive. Um, I do like Ballyhoo also, especially like you said, trolling them, rigged Ballyhoo, they're, they're hard to beat. I mean, one of the best and proven um, uh, baits for those pelagic species, mahi, et cetera. Um, I like your tip about making sure that they're a little bit defrosted. What I usually do is I have a, a 25 cubic foot deep freeze that I set to a couple degrees below zero. Um, it really keeps the bait in good shape because it will get freezer burnt. But I'll, I'll take it out before, um, I'll take it out of the freezer and I put it in a bucket and let it defrost on my hour, hour and a half run out. Um, sometimes I'll splash a little water in there too if I know I'm going to be using that certain bait to help the, the defrosting, um, like kind of thawing process. But um, whenever I go offshore, I'll bring pinfish, um, ballyhoo if I've been able to find them, which are kind of rare around here, squid, um, white bait, really just everything under the sun just because you never know what they're going to want that week. Well, absolutely, Tim. Um, I think that's all we got for today. Remember, uh, like and subscribe on YouTube. Like us and leave us a rating on iTunes. Um, and yeah, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed and remember to keep sending us those questions. Yeah, thanks everybody. Hope you enjoyed the, uh, the show this week. And like Tanner said, get some questions in so we can help you guys uh, become better uh, anglers out there or at least try. All right, thanks, Tim.